according to protocol, uh, Andrew. <laughs> so um, we've got a guest speaker this morning, and I, I just want to tell you a little bit about this amazing man. Uh, we spent some time on Friday with uh, the Vineyard Pastors, in fact, right here. And that was really, really good. And then yesterday, with some of our leaders um, and elders, we spent some time with, with Andrew as well. Um, I've, I met Andrew at a conference that Pastor Sam invited me to. Um, I think it was out in PE. That's the first time I met you. And I, when I saw this guy, and I, I'm, we just had a, a conversation, and I was like, man, you know when you connect with people, and you're like, this, this seems like the Lord, you know? So I said to him then, I said, man, I have to get you to Cape Town. And uh, that, I think, was before COVID. And so we're now three years down, and we finally have you here. Andrew, well, um, I think you're going to have to introduce yourself a little bit, you know. But um, I just wanted to also acknowledge uh, some people that came with you, and some people drove. <laughs> so, Alan, don't you want to stand with, with your wife? And Lydia, here we go. And can we just welcome Alan and Lydia? So, so um, Alan leads worship, and in fact, I met you as well. I think it was probably the same conference. Um, yes, it was at Ritz. At Ritz, yes. And um, I found out that a lot of the music right in the beginning in South Africa of Vineyard, um, you were very involved and you were hitting up Vineyard worship music. So I, you know, I, I grew up listening to a lot of Vineyard music. Um, and I remember the days of Brenton Brown and, you know, uh, Kathleen Scott. And, and so obviously it's, uh, when I met you, I thought, man, this is the Vineyard movement that I've been listening to. Worship-wise, for many years. So, welcome to Cape Town. I know Alan did a workshop yesterday, and uh, I hope you come back so that we can also have a little bit of time with you. But bless you. Thank you for coming. And then, Yoko, can you stand? Wait. This can we just welcome Yoko as well? So, I I, I come to learn that Yoko is like the mother in this whole thing, you know, everybody knows her, you know, but she's such a blessing, in fact, yesterday we had a whole move of God in the lounge, and Yoko was ministering with Andrew, and it was so special, so without further ado, Andrew, come and take, I don't know if you want this thing, I know this thing scared you the other day, Uh, let me see if I can read, let me see. I'll tell you now. Right. Should we put it up? Uh, you want it up? Okay. Oh, do I look good, huh? Okay. He just he, listen. You guys fed me so well. All it's doing is hiding my stomach. <laughs> so um, yeah, man. Thank you for thank you for having us and for the invite. You know, we uh, came down from Joburg, and as you can see, you know. My team is really committed. Ellen and Lydia drove down for this morning, you know. I hope you guys are as committed to Tim and Chevet, you know. Just, uh, but, um, yeah, just uh, in way of introduction, my name is Andrew. I pastor at Willow Hill Vineyard, um, which is in Johannesburg. And we're in the process of handing that over, and I'll be taking over another church uh, in Centurion. But uh, I lead nationally within the vineyard. But all that stuff doesn't mean a whole lot. The, the main, my main claim to fame is that I'm married to Mandy. Um, hey, my gorgeous wife. We've been together since 1988. 
but I'm not that old. She was only 14 when I met her, okay? And I was only 17, because I can see some of you actually looking at me funny, okay? <laughs> but um, she is, uh, you know, kind of spending some time with Chavez and Tim. I'm going, oh, no, I, I, have, I have one of those in my life, you see. So, so we, we all need our wives, okay? So just to tell you, like, just so you understand a little bit of where I'm coming from and who we are and how Mandy and I are as family if you want to know, has anyone seen my big fat Greek wedding? Right. I'm, I'm Cypriot. She's South African. That was the deal. My parents wanted 650 people at the wedding. We whittled it down to 300, and so it went. But then getting into ministry, um, we had a couple from Utenaik who joined our church. They were trying for nine years to have children. Um, they came to our church in Joburg, um, Hannah and Steph, and, and we had a word, and we prayed for them, and just said, Lord, bring the child, man. And little Sonia was born. It was just an absolute miracle. And, it, it, you know, it carried on. They ended up having four kids. But that's another story. That's not a, so, so now we are celebrating with this amazing couple in church. And the church is fuller, like, but like full, right to the back, with their family because there's this huge celebration. And I've got Sonia in my arms. I'm looking at the miracle of God, and I'm holding her up like this. And I look at the back. And right at the back, man, he's standing at the back, and she goes, your sips down. <laughs> okay, so imagine the scene, okay. So now, um, <laughs> God help me. What was this child's name again? Okay, Sonia. Okay, so look, finish off, like, hand, hand Sonia back. I look back, she looks at me, she goes, I was just joking. <laughs> okay. So one day you will meet this amazing woman who keeps me humble, you see? <laughs> so so <laughs> that's just, uh, that's just a, a little bit of who we are uh, as a family. We have three beautiful children, and my nephew lives with us. Joshua, Daniel, Anna Faith, and Angela. And uh, Daniel's getting married next month. Come on now. Pray for us, please, Jesus. <laughs> Wedding stress, man. Anyway. 24th, if you remember, pray for us on the 24th, okay? So, um, before I kind of get into this morning, there's just two quick announcements that I want to make, okay? First thing, um, I'm, I'm taking off my pastor's hat now, and I'm putting on my school of leadership hat. Oh, no, yeah. Tim, can you come here for a second, brother? Yeah. No, no, you need to come and stand here for a second with me. Uh, no, but I spoke to Shavay. <laughs> it's fine. <laughs> so um, I, I also, uh, 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 through some of the, the, the things I'm involved with nationally and whatever, I sort of, as a director of School of Leadership, and I want to say that you guys have the most amazing pastoral couple. Okay. And I want to honor them and bless them. Uh, it has been my joy and my privilege to spend a couple of days with them. They are incredible, okay? But not to blow too much smoke at them and say how nice they are, okay? Because, you know, we've got to keep them. But, but... <laughs> so Tim, uh, for those of you who know, has been studying with School of Leadership and Theology, and he graduated this last week. So... You, you see, he's like all embarrassed now because he wouldn't have told you this himself, you see. 
So I'm, I thought I better embarrass the guy sufficiently. She made sure I can check. She's going, yeah, come on. But listen, this is a, this is a high quality uh, uh, qualification. This is, this is not like something small. It is accredited with SATs. It is really good theology. Um, and it is, it is, it's not a walk in the park. It's a lot of work. And I'm not even sure if, if people knew that he was studying. They did, eh? Okay, so you moaned about it enough. Eh? I've got an assignment, bro. Ugh. Okay, but I want to say congratulations, brother. And, uh, and we, we printed, well, I sent your Oaks printed. Mareka, thank you. Uh, listen, you Oaks are organized. I was just going to give you a piece of paper. They were like, no, you can't do that. Eh? So, yeah, Tim, man, I, I want to present you with your, with your graduation certificate. Bless you, my brother. <laughs> it's, it's, make like you're taking a photo with the oath. And, and, and this, is a, this is an amazing achievement, man. You need to know, hey? I mean, I, I mean Tim's old, eh? Like, to, to, to study at his age, you know? <laughs> but can we pray for him? Hey? God, let your anointing be on this man. Lord, what you have imparted to him, we receive and we bless and we speak increase to. And God, through these studies, we bless you, Lord. And may you use Tim and what he has learned mightily in your kingdom, not just in this church, but further afield in the city, in this nation, and around the globe. So bless him, Father. And Shavai, bless him as he, as he has graduated. Um, and we release you, Tim, now into the more of the Lord, into this fresh new season, in Jesus' name. Amen, my brother. <laughs> now, you see, he wouldn't have done it on his own, eh? Okay, you can have the packet as well. There we go. Okay, so that really is, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's good stuff, you know? So, well done, Tim. And, uh, you know, if you want to become more like Tim, study at salt. Okay. So, okay, and... Last, I'll start preaching now, now okay. Um, now, so, so, okay, I'll promote Tim a little bit now. And now he made me do something, you see. So I, I published a book a while ago. And I don't do this. I'm not a salesman. Well, I'm Greek, but I'm not a salesman, okay. But, I, but there are copies of my book at the back or in the foyer, um, if you would like. It is uh, a whole lot of my story. And maybe you'll hear a little bit about it this morning. But it's called Becoming, and how do you become the person God's called you to be in Christ with your identity in Jesus and not in things? And how, how the thing was birthed, I spoke at a conference down here, and there was an author um, in the congregation, and she came up to me and she said, yeah, no, no, you've got to write this stuff down. And then what the Lord put in my heart is he said, don't write for anyone, write for your children. So it was a kind of, what I, if, if I'm not here, what I want my children to know. So that's my deal. If no one else reads it, I just want my children to read it. Because this is what I believe for my kids and my family is a way of becoming who you're called to be. Because we can get our identity caught up in like weird and wonderful things, can't we? So anyway, okay. Enough said. If you want it, cool. If you don't like it, use it at a doorstop. The paper's good quality. You can light your Weber with it if it's no good. So. Okay. <laughs> How much of my time have I used? Uh, am I good? Okay, cool. All right. So, I wanted to talk to us a little bit about um, the kingdom of God this morning, you know, and what this thing of life is all about. Because we have the ups and downs of life, isn't it? 
We have the good, the bad, and the ugly. We have the celebrations and the victories, and we have the pain and the defeat. We, we live in this world where Jesus said you will have trouble, didn't he? You know, one, one, one moment, life is fantastic. And just, hey, man, rocking and rolling. Victoria's blessed. And if you're in that place, God bless you. Wonderful. And if you're going, I've never had a struggle in my life, I'm going, hey, she's coming. <laughs> okay? You know, things are going well, and then a debit order hits. A loved one gets sick. Something happens. Uh, there's an accident. You know, things happen. Retrenchment. And in that moment, your life has just changed. You know, what we knew to be life and what we knew to be comfortable all of a sudden evaporates. Now, the, I, I, the, when I say the original manuscript, you know what I'm talking about. God's manual, the Bible, okay, uh, has a lot to say about the ups and downs of life. And we could spend weeks exploring this. But what I want to talk about is the kingdom, okay. And there's three things that I want to look at this morning, um, or, or three themes or three points, Okay. We need to keep our hearts and eyes focused on the kingdom and in eternity. We live in light of eternity. Yeah? Because if this is all there is, really? Surely we have hope. So we live in light of eternity. Keep our eyes and hearts focused on the kingdom. We, the second thing is we engage in our gifting and calling and kingdom life. And the third thing is tag this phrase at the end of every difficulty. But God. Because that's the deal. I don't have any other hope to give you this morning but God if you're going through a difficult time. Okay? So um, if you have your Bibles, you can, you can open them. Uh, I think the scriptures will be on the screens behind me. What is kingdom life? What is this thing of the kingdom? How do we understand this word? Let's start there. So Matthew 4.17, Jesus starts his public ministry and he says this. Or, or scripture records this. From that time on, Jesus began to preach. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is near. Now, first of all, what does that mean? Now, now I know you guys are solid theologians, so I'm just, this is just a refresher. Okay. So, um, but, but what does that mean? Because the dictionary defines the word kingdom two ways. Okay. If you go and Google... Uh, I can't think of the name of the dictionary. I didn't put it in my notes. I forget. I Google dictionary. And, but it says, so two ways that this word kingdom is defined. The first way is a country, a state, a territory ruled by a king or queen. Um, synonyms for it are a realm, a domain, dominion, country, empire, land, principality. His kingdom stretched towards the sea, that kind of thing. Um, that's the first uh, kind of um, definition. The second definition it's the spiritual reign and authority of God. That's in the dictionary. I'm not making it up. Okay. So the, the, the kingdom is defined that it's, uh, there's the, the, the dictionary says it's a place or it's the rule and reign of God. But when we look at scripture, okay, when Jesus says in Matthew 6.33, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given unto you. Do you, you know that scripture? There, huh? Hey, you're so jacked. Huh? Not even pressing buttons or anything. It's just magically going there. The kingdom has come. Hey, um, but but Jesus is not talking about a place that we're looking for. He's, he's not talking about a realm, a domain, a dominion, a country, an empire, a principality, a land, a nation, a, a province or territory. That's not what he's talking about. When Jesus says seek His kingdom first, what He's saying is seek the spiritual reign 
an authority of God. That's what he's talking about. It's not a place. We're not looking for a place. We're looking, we're seeking for his authority. Okay? And in a nutshell, the kingdom of God is the breakthrough of the personal, dynamic rule of God through the person of Christ through the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. That's the deal. That's what we're looking for. When Jesus says, seek first his kingdom, that's what he's talking about. Okay? When he says, um, in the, our Father, when the disciples are talking, uh, uh, ask him, how do we pray? And he says, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Let your kingdom come. They're not saying, let a place come. They're saying, let your active, dynamic rule and reign and power come in this place to set us free. And change the very atmosphere that we are part of, uh, that, that, that we are in. Okay? Paul says it this way in 1 Corinthians 4.20. For the kingdom of God, it's not a matter of talk, but of power. How can a place be of how can a place be of power? It's not. It's the kingdom. It's the power of God. Okay, and we have to understand the kingdom that way, and see even in the Old Testament we see the kingdom breaking through in the Exodus event. What do you think happened? The kingdom of God broke in and set Israel free. Yeah, when the Red Sea parted, what do you think happened? The kingdom of God came. In breakthrough. Um, same thing happened when Israel invaded Canaan and the armies of Israel clashed with the forces in the land. God went to them. When, when, the, when the Israelites marched around Jericho yeah, and blew the trumpets, what do you think? Do you think the noise of the trumpets broke it down? Do you think a place came down and pushed the walls over? No, the power of God fell in that place as it is in heaven. Came the power of God and, and the walls went down. Sorry, <clears throat> went down. So in the Old Testament, the teacher can be summarized in two statements. The Lord is king, and the Lord will become king. But when Jesus came, and he ushered in the kingdom. You see, because the deal with the kingdom is this. I think we're going to get to heaven one day, and you're going to go, Hey, Moses, how, how was it to part the Red Sea? You know, how was that? What's the deal? You know what Moses' response is going to be? He's going to say, how was it to live with the power of God in you? You see, because when Jesus came, we have access to that power when the temple curtain was torn. Yeah, That power indwells us. In the Old Testament, eh? am I right? I'm right. Okay, just, just checking. No, I don't, look, I'm going back to Joburg, so if I say something wrong, it's Tim, Tim's problem, and you, know, you can sort it out. But in the New Testament, this thing of the kingdom is encapsulated in four statements. So it's the spiritual reign and authority of God. The kingdom of God will come, and the kingdom of God has come. Yeah? You must have heard that somewhere along the line. Um, then the kingdom of God is coming immediately, and the kingdom of God will be delayed. Have you heard that? Okay. And then the, the famous, the already and not yet of the kingdom. Yeah? George Alden Ladd, said it this way. We live between the already and the not yet, between the cross, victory over sin and Satan, and the age to come at Christ's second coming. We have the assurance of eternal life now and experience the benefits of the kingdom, though only in part. Okay? You see, and what Christianity so often does, um, and I'm, I'm, okay, Let, let's call it that. Some streams of Christianity paint Jesus, God as a Santa Claus. 
So like, have you been naughty or nice? Because then I can bless you. Yeah? Anybody? Okay. Or they paint God as, and, and I mean, this is not irreverent, please understand where I'm coming from, as like a one-armed bandit. So I put in one prayer, two church visits, a life group visit, a tithe, and then I go ka-ching, and the result has to be. Because I promise a guy, come on. So let me ask you this. If that's the case, how much faith does it take to overturn God's no? What if God says no to one of your prayers? How much faith does it take? How many prayers? How many tithes? How many church visits? How much, how much time spent in scripture? In, what if God says no? How much faith does it take to turn, overturn God's no? I don't think you can. So let me explain it this way. And, and I don't know. Have you heard the, the illustration of the kingdom of, of World War II? Some of you have, some of you, okay. So I'm, gonna, I'm just going to carry on and pretend no one heard it. And if you have heard it, I'm reminding you, okay. So if you know World War II, you'll know that um, the beaches of Normandy, yeah, when the Allied forces landed at the beaches of Normandy, that was D-Day. Anyone heard that? Yeah, D-Day, okay. We knew that Germany was defeated. It's finished. Clough, obey. The war was won. Yeah. However, V-Day was only six months later when um, Hitler eventually died and Germany signed the surrender. Okay? Do you know that in those six months, more American soldiers lost their lives than in the entire World War II? Yeah? Okay? So you're still with me. We are living in those in-between times. Okay? So it goes like this. The cross, when Jesus said it is finished, Guys, it is finished. Satan is defeated. Clout, obey. Don't worry about it. He's, he's done. However, V-Day is when Jesus comes again. When he comes on clouds on high. And we are transformed into our resurrected bodies. And we are living in that time. And there will be casualties. Because when you are playing the game of life, and when you're walking in Christian life, there's another team. Opposing you. There is. That's the deal. But you know what? I've read the book to the end. The end, it's sharp. So if it's not okay, it's not the end. Yeah? So, you know, people say, no, no, but you know what? If you come to, you know, come to faith and everything will be okay and your life will be blessed. All right? So, I, I, all I said in my notes says. Some stories, some of my stories. So, Lord, which one? This is a lot, eh? <laughs> can I want to talk about my wife or my kids? Well, I can talk about my kids, you know. No. So, I walk this as best I can, this kingdom life. Last year, I had three surgeries, two knee replacements, and they thought I had cancer in my throat. They cut me here. This, this surgery was my 59th surgery in my life because I got run over by a bus when I was 16. Okay? And guys are like, but why, do you, why are you still talking about Jesus? Why hasn't he healed you? Why hasn't he stopped this? Why hasn't he set you free? 
Because we're not ready and not yet. And you know what? I shouldn't be here. Can, can you see me walking around? Can you see? Check, I've got, I've got a swagger. Eh? I shouldn't be walking. I shouldn't even be here. But God had a plan. Yeah? God had a plan. So it's not that you come to faith and everything is sorted. You know, I always, in our church, I speak about our, our four Bs. You know? So you come to faith and your, your Blackberry, your Bentley, your house in Bryanston, and what was the fourth one? Bank balance is sorted out. Okay, that's not the case. I need to update that. Eh? Your Samsung, your South African Rands, your house in the southern suburbs, and help me with something. What's another S? That's not the deal. We come to faith, and you know what? Because in the end, it's okay. We live in light of eternity. We go, it's going to be okay. And it gives us hope for today. I don't know how you do this without Jesus. How do you do this without Jesus? You don't. Well, I, well, I certainly can't. So when we begin to understand that Christian life is so much more than blessing and getting us to heaven, things begin to change. You understand that the kingdom is so much more. It is so much bigger. Um, and from our perspectives, our Christianity begins to take on a whole different dimension. It really does. God just moves and does these amazing things. So, um, you know, Matthew 13, 31 and 32, Jesus told this parable. The kingdom of God is like a mustard seed, which a man took out, planted in, a, in his field. That is the smallest of seeds. When it grows, it's the largest, largest of the garden plants. It becomes a tree, so the birds of the air come and perch in its branches. And that's, you know, the kingdom isn't top down, man. It's bottom up. You know, we, we get caught up in social media and all the rubbish we read and we think, hey, there's no Christians left. Man, God's kingdom is moving in power in this nation. And you might not be seeing it, but I'm telling you now. I go from place to place and I just hear the most incredible stories of what God is doing. Incredible stuff, you know. Um, and the kingdom begins to permeate all of your life when you encounter God like this. So the, the very next verse, Matthew 13, 33, Jesus told them another parable. The kingdom of of heaven is like yeast that a woman took mixed into a large amount of flour until it worked through all the dough. Yeah? All the dough. Your whole life. So it's not just here on a Sunday morning in life group, in all those wonderful programs that are happening. It is in all of your life. Okay? And when you step out in faith, when you begin to believe this stuff and you risk in love to walk in the fullness of the kingdom, you begin to see amazing things happen. Okay? Yeah, you go... Are you sick? What is your response when one of your friends tell you they're sick? You go, have you been to the doctor? Bro, is it COVID? Is it the dreaded lurgy? Or is your first response to say, well, you know, let's pray. Yeah? You got a headache. Oh, sorry, bro. Let me, let's, let me give you a panada. Sorry, bro. <laughs> sorry. Little joke between Tim and I this morning. <laughs> um, but you know what? When you see someone healed or you see something happen, it's, it's really cool. And you go, oh, I'm going to do that again. Yeah? And the kingdom, your life looks different. And you pray for more sick people. And you begin to look, to listen, and to respond to what you see God doing around you. Okay? And when you understand the kingdom this way, guys, you cannot compartmentalize your life anymore. Your faith is not uh, one, you know, the, the, the wheel of life. Have you ever heard of the wheel of life? So there's this wheel of life, and then it's this and this. And one of the wheels is spirituality. That's not. 
the middle of that wheel is Jesus and his kingdom, and everything flows from that place. In your work, in your play, in your family, in your friends, in your health, in your gym, in whatever you're doing, Jesus is there. That's the deal with the kingdom. And we begin to seek that rule and reign of God in all these areas. And then things change. I know for my own life, I mean, I come from a, I come from a Greek Orthodox background. So probably if I heard this message when I, when I was in the Greek Orthodox, I was going, yeah, that's like, <laughs> really? You know? But it's not what, you know, what I began to understand is that Christianity is not about pie in the sky when you die. It's about steak on your plate while you wait. Ah, check, eh? Yeah. <laughs> See, I'm, I can write songs, bro. Um, so, <laughs> but we've got to seek the already of the... I've got to stick to my notes, guys, okay? Because was, but we've got to seek the kingdom. We've got to seek the kingdom in our lives. Too often we have a view that Christianity is about the death and resurrection of Jesus. That's it. And it, it is about that. Okay? Because without the resurrection, well, none of this really matters. Okay? However, how many Christmas and Easter Christians do you know? And when I say Christmas and Easter, they, man, I am saved. I've got Jesus in my life. Yeah? The birth. And when I die, I'm going to heaven. Jesus came and he died. Yes, 100%. So now what about his life? What about between his Death, I'm sorry, between his birth, between Christmas and Resurrection Sunday. Man, there's some stuff. If we are called to live as, as Christ followers, as his disciples, it means that we use his model for our lives. Yeah? He did some stuff while he was here. He didn't kind of get born and go, okay, I'll just wait till I go to the cross and then the deal's done. But there's a lot of Christians that live that way, don't they? You know, um, so what about from the time between when you meet and invite Christ into your life and you do that thing where you all gonna do, we're all going to do one day and stand before the Father? What are you doing with that? You know, um, you know saying the sinner's prayer is, is like getting a fire extinguisher, to, a, a ticket to heaven. That's not the deal, you know. And I wonder if the sinner's prayer has actually cauterized Christianity a little bit. This element of Christianity. Now I'm getting into dodge territory. I see some people are looking at me funny. No, no, but the deal is, no, no. Hey, say the sinner's prayer, bro. Hey, name of Jesus. Cool. Got one. And then that's it. And that goes, and now what? Okay, so I'm going to heaven, and what happens with my life now? Is that it? Okay, cool. No. Uh, too often, the army of Christ, which is... All of us here live a cauterized, placid, complacent Christianity because we don't understand the authority that we have in the kingdom. Okay? We do. I do not want my life to be marked by spectacular mediocrity for Jesus. I don't. You know, it's this that I'm talking about is available for all of us. It's not just for the man of God or the woman of God or the staff or whatever. You know, John Wimber made this powerful statement, and, I, and I've kind of paraphrased it um, a little bit. And he said this. Well, okay, these are my, 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 this is my paraphrase of his words. 
when we count on and depend on, when we let everything hinge on and rest on a few distinctive leaders, faithful men and women of God, to dish out and distribute healing, prophecy, giving, words of knowledge, prayer, care, love, basically any revelations and gifts from the Holy Spirit. We disempower God's army, turn them into onlookers, spectators, basically an audience. Guys, you are the army of God, man. This is not, this is not, this is exciting stuff. This is the meat of the thing. This is, ah, come on. You can't not be excited about this. Surely. Hey? I mean, this is just, this is good stuff, eh? There's nothing new under the sun. I'm not that clever to come up with this stuff myself. You know, sometimes God gives a revelation or something, you know. But, but the, the army of God is you. You and you and you and you. And every single person sitting in this room, you know. If you have Jesus in your life, you're called to engage in his master plan and his mission into the world. Not just with wise words. Not just with coming to church. But actually participating in his mission beyond the local church. You know. Because, man, these, I said it over the leaders yesterday, there's kingdom destiny over this church and over the leaders and over you. Not just to see a full church, but to change the city. Do you know what I mean? Like, hey, man, a full church is cool. Huh? Makes Tim look great. You know what I mean? A good leader. Yeah? But that's not it. It's the mission of Jesus. The Holy Spirit coming, in essence saying, God, your kingdom come. Not the place, but your power and authority. You know, we preach good news to the poor. See proclamation for freedom of the prisoners. Recovery of sight for the blind. Release for the oppressed. Proclaiming the year of the Lord's favor. That's Luke 4, 18 and 19. And you might be sitting here this morning going, because I see some of you are like, there's a couple of amens and a few light bulbs. And some of the people are like, it's like, I don't know. Tim. Can you not let us know so we can come to church or not? We're inviting. But, but, but the deal is, if you, you know what, if you're going, is this really for me? I'm going, yes, it is. Because it's biblical. Okay? And you might be going, no, but this is above my pay grade. I don't know enough. I don't. If you know Jesus, you know enough. Some, you've got to know someone who doesn't know Jesus. Yeah? Well, tell them. And let me, let me, let me show it to you in Scripture. Jesus in Luke 9, 1 and 2, Jesus called the 12 together. He gave them power and authority to drive out demons, to cure diseases, and sent them out to preach the kingdom of God and heal the sick. So the preach, again, understanding, not a place, to preach the rule, the active, dynamic rule and reign of God in that place. Yeah? Okay? The 12. Then we go to Luke 10, verse 1. We're the 12, Luke 10. For after this, the Lord appointed 72 others and sent them two by two ahead of him to every town and place where he was going. Yeah. Then we go to Matthew 28, 19 and 20. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you, and I'm with you to the very end of the age. 12, 72, church. But you still, some people are not convinced. So let's go some more. Acts 2, 39. This promise, 
this promise of go and, and walk in the fullness of the kingdom. This promise is for you, your children, and for all who are far off, for all, the, for all whom the Lord will call. And that, that far off is a, in the Greek is a present continuous verb. So it's not just speaking about distance, like, you know, if you're in Japan, it's talking about time, far off. It's present, continuous. So if you're far off now, and you will be far off, and you're going to be far off, and you are far so it's, it's a time thing if you go to the Greek. So this promise is for all of us. So, you know, are you, are you in all? You can go like this. You are. Okay, you are in all, okay, because you're a Christian, Okay. Are you far off from 2,000 years ago when this was written? Yes. So it's applicable to us. You know, this promise is for you and for me. And, you know, so many years ago, this, this kind of understanding permeated my life, began to affect my actions, began to live differently. And maybe if you think about this, or maybe you can consider engaging with this incredible adventure because your life will never be the same. That is so cool. That is so amazing. Yeah, you walk around and God does stuff and it's like, ah, oh, come on. That is, it's like, it's awesome. You know, I'm a Jesus junkie, man. So cool. Um, Matthew says, seek first his kingdom. Yeah? We need to seek first his kingdom. And this might seem obvious, but for God to reign through us, he needs to reign in us. Yeah? Starts with his presence. Starts with you. Starts with him engaging in your heart and changing you. He needs to reign in you first. And then he reigns through you. Okay? He has our hearts. And then he, his kingdom reigns and is established in our families, in our church, in our workplace, in our communities, and in our nation. You know? Um, A lot of stuff there. Okay, I'm just going forward a little bit. Otherwise, we'll have you here till 12 o'clock. Sorry. Um, I just pray that it could be the same for you today, that you come to a place where you understand the treasure of the kingdom and the lives we can live. You know, we need to grasp the, the eternal significance of what I'm sharing this morning. Because it's eternal significance for us, but it's eternal significance for the world out there. It truly, truly is. You know, Matthew 13, 44, the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it, and his, in his joy went and sold, and sold everything and bought that field. It's a treasure. Would you sell everything for this? I'm not asking for your money, okay? But it's, it's an illustration, okay? But, I mean, that's the significance. That's how important this is, you know? That this needs to sink in our hearts, into our hearts today, the value of the kingdom of God. Matthew 13, again, 45 and 46. The kingdom of heaven is like a merchant who looks for fine pearls. When he found one of great value, he went away, he sold everything, and he bought it. And the... Kind of the, the, the picture I had on that with the pearls is I wonder, there are people here, I mean, I met a 
And um, the team here is amazing, man. I loved our time together yesterday. What amazing people. I told them, hey, Axel, stuck with me. Me, I'm coming back. I, I like these Axel. Uh, you know, whether you'll have me or not, I don't know, but I'm coming. Um, but some of you, this may be going, this is new. Some of you might be going, well, I know this. Like, this is just, you know, this is like old stuff. I'm going, okay. If that's how you're feeling. Think of the pearl of great price. Some, the picture the Lord gave me, there's this beautiful pearl. And, and you've had it for years but you've stored it in the safe at home. It's so precious, you put it in the safe because you don't want to lose it. And I feel God is saying you need to take it out the safe, blow the dust off and let the world see it. That's what I feel. Like that was kind of the picture, you know, that I had in my mind. And, you know, maybe you're feeling a little bit like Saul on the road to Damascus, you know, and you're going, Acts 22.10, what shall I do, Lord? He encounters Jesus and he goes, what shall I do? And maybe... You know, you're feeling a prompting and a stirring in your spirit this morning. You're going, oh, and you're going, you're feeling like, like Saul. What shall I do, Lord? You know, I, I want this, but what shall I do? But the vision is the kingdom. That's why we exist, to continue the ministry of Jesus wherever you go. You know, too often as I, as I travel around and I meet people, you know, one of the main questions people ask me, man, what am I called to? Really just trying to find exactly like my niche, what I'm called to. Okay. Can I tell you what you are what we are all called to? The Spirit of the Lord is on you. Has anointed you to preach good news to the poor, recovery of sight to the blind, freedom to the prisoners, release for the oppressed, and to proclaim this is the year of the Lord's favor. So do that. Start there. It's okay. Imagine if you all just, just took that part of our calling seriously. You change the city. And then you know what? As you're going, God might say, okay, you're okay. All right. You're a writer. Tim, all right. You're a preacher. Yeah. But let's, let's just get back to basics of the kingdom and get on with it. Yeah. And, and if you're struggling at the moment and you're going, oh, I hear you, but you don't know what's going on in my life. Just that phrase that I said, like, but God. Because you can't do it without him. You can't. You can't do it without him. You know, empowered kingdom life is available for you today. You know, Corinthians 4.20 again, where we started. God's way is not a matter of mere talk. It's about empowered life. That's out of the message Bible. We don't just talk about this. It is about empowered life, guys. Empowered life. It's not, this is not cultural Christianity. This is not a nice social club, like a sports ground. This is, this is a family that you belong to, but it is about the empowered life that changes your own life and goes out from you and changes the world around you. Because I'm telling you, if you pay attention to this, the Holy Spirit goes before you. And the atmosphere of rooms that you walk into are different because you are there. I've, I've, I've experienced that. I walk into like a, I walk into like a tire place, and you know those can like sailors. And I walk in, and all of a sudden, all the swearing stops. I don't say anything. They don't know I'm a pastor. They don't. I mean, we, I, we had a, I, I did a wedding for a friend in, um, in, in a five-star lodge, 
And uh, Mans and I were on the, like the veranda in the bungalow just to illustrate this point. And this guy walks past the front, like slow, like this. And uh, like, oh, and he, yeah, and he's looking proper. Eh? And he goes, no, you have the bride and the groom. I said, no, both. I said, he said, what are you doing? I said, no, I'm, you know, I'm doing the wedding. He said, yeah, you're a, and anyway, use some language, but you're a good delegate. And then he was like, Hey, yes, the Germany, hey. <laughs> yeah. You know, that's the deal when you walk around with God's presence. People experience that. And I, listen, this is not a prideful thing. Jesus, help me, I need more of you. But man, you walk with him and, you know, you sit on a plane and people start talking to you. I was, I was in business for 13 years. My original qualification is in business management. People used to come to our restaurant and weep and tell me all their problems. To the pizza man. Every day. And my mom was there. My manager was on our eldership. Our staff were Christians. People used to just walk in. And every day someone was bawling in their shop. Check out. Walk around with tissues. You know why? Someone cries by me every day. Ask the guys from my church. I don't know. Maybe it's my aftershave. Okay. Get back to just get this thing. Let's land this, you know, because otherwise, okay. So I'm having fun. So thank you for listening, you know. So, so in order to live kingdom lives, okay, let's keep our eyes focused on Jesus and his kingdom life that he calls us to. Not the place he calls us to, not to heaven. We will get there one day, but you have a role to play now. Yeah, people go, oh, we've got to pray for the second coming. Look at the place the world is in and whatever you. I'm like, there's like five billion people that don't know Jesus. No, you've got some work to do before he comes back, guys. We do. I'm sorry. Don't pray for Jesus to come back because how many people are you condemning? Where's the love in that? Get out there and get some people saved, man. Oh, sorry. So <laughs> keep your eyes focused on the kingdom. Engage in your gifting and in kingdom life. And when you're going through difficulties, just go, but God. And that is not a, some victorious statement that just, you know, we are negating what you're going through or um, uh, diminishing the pain that you're feeling. But I'm telling you about God. I'm telling you about God. I had that accident when I was 16. I spent six months in hospital, six months in a wheelchair, four years on crutches. My brother was killed in a car accident. My sister died of cancer. We got her four-year-old son. Uh, my dad was shot and killed in our business. My life is like a Greek tragedy, man. But it's not. Because let me tell you, my mom prayed for my dad for 30 years. 30 years. He fell on his knees in front of my sisters and her in repentance and tears on the Tuesday night and he was murdered on the Friday. This is, this is kingdom life, man. And at the time, I didn't like it very much. I'm not, not going, it was all fine. Me and God, we went through a bit of a um, but that's a story for another day. I was not, yeah, thank you, Jesus, that you forgive me for some of the language I used, telling you to come and fight with me, you know. So I'm not negating that we go through stuff. But you know what? I will have eternity with my father. And I would rather have that than have had him with me for another 20 years. That's the end of the lesson. Can we pray? Do you do ministry in this church? Yeah. Let's stand. No, Holy Spirit's here, man. 
I'm so expectant. I mean, that, that, that meeting we had yesterday, God came in such power. We saw the most amazing stuff happening. And I'm expectant that it's going to happen today. And the leaders that were there, God imparted something, some kingdom destiny on them that is available for you here today. So it's not just for me to pray for you, but for the team, for Arg, for Yurka, for Alan, for Lydia, for Mr. B and, and, and whoever else was there. Yeah? yeah I know you guys can't leave. You've got to pray for some people. Okay. Listen, guys, it's okay to laugh. Eh? God gave us a sense of humor. So, Holy Spirit, would you come, would you move in power here this morning? Lord, we, we need your kingdom destiny in our lives. Come, Holy Spirit, in this place, not just for us, Lord, but for the sake of the city, for the sake of our families, for the sake of our friends who are lost, for the sake of Man of our nation, God, we need you. Holy Spirit, would you come in this place and move in power? Come in this place and move in power. Lord, you healed some people this morning um, when that word for healing came. So many that needed healing. I speak healing over you, church, in Jesus' name, for those who need healing. I speak life over those who need life. I speak refreshing over those who need refreshing. I speak joy over those who need joy. But Lord, let your kingdom come in this place. God, pour out your presence over us now. Let your power fall. Come, Lord. We wait on you, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. Just... Let's just take a few moments. Don't worry about the chicken in the oven at home. Just, just quieten your mind. What is Father whispering to your heart this morning? Holy Spirit is here. You may be, begin to feel some tingling in your hands. Um, there may be some who are feeling a little bit weepy. You may feel an excitement bubbling up inside of you where you're just going, yes, Lord, but now what? You may be feeling a, a warmth flowing over your body. Tears welling up. All these are signs of the Holy Spirit on you. You may just be feeling peace, man. You might just be going... Wow, I have not felt this peaceful in a long time. And the Holy Spirit is here and he's on so many people. I just see him over so many of us here this morning. And I say to you, receive the Holy Spirit. Receive his anointing. Receive his peace and his joy. Come, Lord. Come, Lord.